1: Hi there, podcast fans. I'm Tom Gibbs. Welcome to Telegraph Audio Football Club. Today, Manchester City reach bold new territories by completing a domestic treble. We sing their praises, salute their genius and wonder why some of their fans don't seem to be enjoying their success very much. We glance ahead to the full English of Europa and Champions League finals, this weekend's Football League playoffs and the marquee event of the summer, the Nations League. Plus a heated discussion on Gareth Bale, the looming presence of a powerful Bayern Munich returning and what next for manager free Juventus. Let's take you now into the audio recording facility, where I'm joined by, after a long layoff, returning hero, Matt Law. How are you, Matt? Hello. Where Mina, have you been, Matt?
2: I've been lots of places. I was late in Orient last Monday, yeah. Uh Petr-check the Monday before. Don't know, the Monday before I may have just lied and had a week <laughs> off. Hey! Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. I was just doing something. Mina's just asked me if I've forgotten how to pod, and I quite possibly have. Oh, well, let's see how that goes. Welcome, Mina Rizuki. How was your
1: weekend?
3: I was okay. It was a lot of... It was a bit teary, you know. You're still um, recovering
1: from the Allegri news.
3: Yeah, I thought it was just allergies, but it turns out I'm straight up sand. Um, and we lost Andrea Bazali. I mean, he's 38, so he's going to have to go at some point. But,
1: Allegri you know. or allergy, it's so hard to tell at this time of year. <laughs> <laughs> and welcome, a late debut in the season for Alastair Tweedale from the Telegraph Sports online team and the internet in general. How are you, Ali? I'm
4: great, yeah. Thanks Good. for having me. Oh, a
1: pleasure, a pleasure.
4: I know uh, I'm replacing JJ today, so I'm going to try and talk about football manager at every, yeah. every <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs>
1: a two foot <laughs> tackle early on. <I'm>
4: JJ <laughs> well, let's talk about the FA
1: Cup final the manner of this victory a 6-0 win for Manchester City over Watford possibly slightly diminishes the achievement of what they did on Saturday a first men's team to win the domestic treble is there any argument now that this is not the greatest domestic football team in history in this country
2: wow I think that's a big shout given the Man U treble uh, included the European Cup so I would probably I'm would. saying s-
1: domestic, though, and the European Cup... Yeah, is but I still think they're
2: a domestic team still. I would still have that Man United team as, as slightly ahead at the moment. But I don't think that Man United team is as good as the one that won the European Cup in 08. Different debate. Okay. You've gone off topic. I'm though. sorry. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, I think you're being harsh asking whether it, the, the nature of the victory diminishes their achievement. I actually think that they haven't got enough credit for what they have achieved because i do think it is incredible
3: what else is required like a little street no, party no, I,
2: I don't know i, <laughs> I just don't think enough has been made of how incredible it is to do that in the that title race is the closest is the hardest title race for two clubs has been possibly ever and then to keep going in the other two cup competitions which no one else has ever done is just an incredible achievement i'm not saying that we all have to bow down and worship it every day but i'd i i do not think and, and weirdly man city themselves and vincent company have almost overshadowed it this weekend by announcing his his uh, departure on the weekend whereby normally i think today we should have back pages of the incredible travel, blah 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 blah. definitely not most <laughs> we're going to come on to that aren't we um and yet it's all vincent company today so i, I do think it's been swept over a little bit
3: I, I mean, honestly, I don't know. I just feel like it's like superlative marathon over here. Um, and by all means, they deserve it, right? So it's like, you know, this is the greatest manager, this is the greatest team, this is the greatest back line, this is the greatest attacking line. Um, they've scored more goals than seems humanly possible. They've had 70% possession in tons and tons of games uh, in a league where this used to be an non- anomaly. Um, the The actual statistics are almost like... A little bit strange. Eleven times they've scored more than five goals. I mean, in Italy, it's just embarrassing to do that to the <laughs> opponent. So you sort of hold your, hold off after three because you're like, oh, I feel sorry for you. Yeah, Pep you're looked also...
1: a bit embarrassed didn't he? after the fifth goal went in. He looked slightly like he couldn't look up.
3: <laughs> yeah, because it's, it's I don't know whether it's... I remember the Euro 2012 uh, final and I, it was Spain and Italy. And then Spain was like, just blow the whistle because it's rude now. Because we've just scored so many goals. It's like embarrassing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's this is a team that I just feel like every time people ask about it, you have to sort of indulge in superlatives, you know, because it is a side that money is an issue and obviously money is one of the reasons why, but one, of, they are one of the few teams that I can say that has done well in spending money.
2: I was going to say, what, whatever people say about the money, I mean, Edison, 30-odd million, looked like a stupid amount at the time, now looks like a really good, really good value sign-in. Um, company who's just retired came in before all the money came in. I think it was about seven million or something. Gabriel Jesus, thirty million, something mm. like that. They've got some really good value signings in there. I mean
3: they're all good most of them are. I, I was mean to say, Danilo, but they've yeah. spent
2: a lot of money, but they haven't blown a silly amount of money on a on a
3: flop. No, that's exactly what it is. And you know what I think is really also important is that they haven't blown money on names, like really famous huge names like, you know, um, Ronaldo or Pogba or whatever it is. They've gone for, so there's no star. There's no like this ego guy that everyone has to refer to if they lose a game or they lose a match. It's more of a team effort and, and all the money is spread around around that. Having said that, though, it's not something that we can get out of when there's a 200 million difference in, in transfer budgets between Watford and Man City. What Man City are essentially, and what English football is essentially becoming, is, is what has become and has been happening in European football, which is a, a great discrepancy between the top teams and the lower teams. They only
1: won the title by a point, though. I, and I, I, I appreciate that the cup final, probably between the team that finished first in the league and the team that finished 11th in the league in the top flight, shouldn't end. 6 nil. that that seems an unusual thing to happen but I do think there is a danger of overstating that slightly because it was it was very tight in the league they only won the league cup on penalties um do you have any existential worries Ali about about the nature of this win in the cup final um it being so one-sided
4: yeah i suppose so you, you can we could talk for ages about how good city are i think they they do deserve all that credit but um yeah, there is a worry, sorry, Mina, that the Premier League might become a bit like Serie A. Um, we no one wants Man City to win the next the next six titles, obviously apart from City fans. Um but uh so yeah, there is a bit of a worry about that, about the gap opening up. Um yeah, the final just uh you don't want a final to be like that. Uh Watford are a better team than say Millwall of was it two thousand and four when they got to the final and lost three 0 to United. Um and this was just a complete, uh, complete battering. It was just, yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't that fun. And I suppose everyone, everyone wants wants it wants a final to be fun, don't they?
1: Did Watford get anything wrong in how they set up and approached? Well, they well,
4: picked the wrong goalie. I mean,
1: yeah, that's so
2: strange. It's such a stupid thing to do. This whole romantic, we've got to play the cup oh, goalie. We've got to play him because why? Why would you get to a cup your first ever cup final since 1983, eighty four? And not choose your first choice
4: goalkeeper because
2: that's it, the guy that got it them is, there. It doesn't matter. It is the most ridiculous thing. I agree completely. Absolutely, it would stupid. be it would be really
4: weird if Arsenal pick Petr Cech in the in the Europa League final, which they party. will do. Yeah, but I just cannot <laughs> understand. It. Just can't understand it.
2: I don't. I don't get the whole romantic old oh, stick with your, your cup goalkeeper, and particularly a club like Watford who haven't won. They've literally not won a trophy in their whole existence. They haven't got to a final since the early 80s. And you get there and you don't pick your best players.
3: OK, so... It's, so, ridiculous,
2: it's stupid. It doesn't make any sense. So
3: do you think Javi Garcia is thinking to himself, if I pick a, you know, my first-choice goalkeeper, then we'll concede less goals or we'll win this match oh. or we'll thrash you this side? Give, that you, is you like- picking
2: your best team surely gives you the best possible chance. Yeah, yeah, but I think that Whatever your chances are.
3: He's thinking, this guy's gone me to the final. This is Manchester City, so either way, we're going to suffer. This isn't going to be about what the goalkeeper does, but perhaps maybe honouring. Let's keep it on the emotional side to keep the fans on board.
4: I would say one thing. uh, If I was
2: a Watford fan, I'd have been furious about it.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would say one thing about uh, Javi Grazia. I think he's done a great job at Watford. He's a really good manager. But one thing he has got wrong is against the big six teams all season. Um, Their results against the big six this season are win, loss, draw, loss-loss-loss-loss-loss-loss-loss-loss-loss-loss-loss. Um, he so added there is There is something going wrong there. Their win, the win was against Spurs back at the beginning of September, and since then it's just been a complete one-way traffic against the big teams. And that is something, for a mid-table team, part of the excitement of a season, for someone like Crystal Palace, their best day of the season was winning it. At, um, at City or winning at Arsenal you want those big days out and you want to get a result against the big teams and Grazia needs to do something about that Watford clearly the anti-Wolves
1: uh, based on that <laughs> record what about Pep Guardiola wasn't very happy afterwards being asked about the Mancini uh, payments which have been in the news these sorts of questions are unlikely to go away if City's dominance continues. How, how are City now going to try and come back against that and win hearts and minds and try and avoid and let, let these things be swept under the carpet somewhat?
2: Well, their tactic so far is to just keep saying how ridiculous it all is and how the process isn't fair and putting out very bold statements um, to push back. Uh, I've not been massively impressed by the way they've dealt with it because I haven't come up with any evidence or facts. I've just kept coming out saying this process is tainted and that we don't like this process and we strongly deny it, but without actually saying a lot. And I do feel that they fed into this uh, feeling around from City fans that this is almost the press going for City and trying to come up with things to damage City, um, rather than actually dealing with the fact that these... However, the allegations were found out through hacking or whatever, that's a separate debate... These are bona fide allegations against City that are being investigated and therefore should be reported, uh, and that investigation should be reported. And I, I feel they're trying to play into the whole old, nasty old public, you just hate City, um, and it doesn't do anyone any favours. No, there's the
1: remarkable footage from uh, the final where the fan was, uh, the City fan was storming into the press box to complain about uh, press coverage of his team, uh, saying Salah will be on the back page, despite the fact we just won the treble. It was uh, you, <laughs> <laughs> surely not me? It wasn't Huddersfield in the final. <laughs> was it? A, was it a surprise to you to see that level of fury from an, a real life fan? That all that sort of talk about agendas seems to me that's more like Twitter chat than stuff that people are actually worried about in real life. I was quite shocked to see that footage.
3: Actually, having spoken to a few City fans, they've been really upset about the coverage. Um, Some of them have said to me, you know, why is it that you're sitting there saying that it's a great achievement by Klopp and not actually recognizing what it is that Pep has done? And I was just I was just like trying to explain the fact that, you know, in terms of perhaps money spent or what Klopp has done or two Champions League finals in a row. For me, I'm far (laughs) out, like far better than an FA Cup final. Like these are the reasons why everyone's been so impressed by Liverpool, the fact that they are sleeping giants, that they have been revived. And, and I understand that because I support a team where it just gets boring sometimes. And what City are is so good that it, it's boring. But this is always the dream that you do support a boring club because they are so good. You don't want to have a roller coaster season. But I, I feel like the fans just want constant, I guess, recognition. And I, and I get that. They want all the superlatives every day to be running about. They want to be City. But City don't have drama. They don't have last minute wins. They're just a very well-oiled machine. And I guess that's not interesting.
4: The thing that annoys me about it all is, I, th- I think City have been given uh, quite a bit of credit, and also who they shouldn't care. They should. Yeah, they that's just should. what I think. Do you think Juventus care that people are annoyed that they've won eight in a row? No, obviously not. Did Ferguson care that United were like were hated by everyone? Did Patrick Vieira care that everyone wanted to topple the Invincibles? Obviously not. Just, just, just get on with it. Go enjoy winning. Stop complaining about whether people like you or not. That's
2: my. I I totally agree with that. I think there is an element of City fans and an element of Manchester City, and I'd include the press office in this, who can't just enjoy how good they are for whatever reason. I do not get it, but they don't seem to be able to just sit back and enjoy how good they are. It's a modern football thing in general. They seem to just want to. They. (laughs) They just seem to want to. you know they always want something more they're always asking why haven't we got this why haven't we got this just enjoy it and as Ali says who cares what other people are saying who actually cares you're supporting or you're working for a club in probably the best era it might ever have in its history you're incredibly lucky incredibly privileged to be in that position And yet, it doesn't feel like a lot of them enjoying it. They just want to kind of find agendas, want to find problems the whole time.
1: I I think it is important to say, though, that that is obviously, it's a vocal minority, but it's still an enormous minority. I'm I'm sure there were thousands of City fans having an absolutely fantastic Sure there are. I mean, I know
2: United fans do refer to City fans as bitter blues because there is a feeling that the the world is always against them. And I think that comes also from a recent history um, of them having so many struggles... And they're probably, some of them are just struggling to now accept the change of the the way the club are.
1: What about Vincent Kompany, Mina, his final game for Manchester City on Saturday? He's off to manage and elect and play for them at the same time, uh, describing it as the most passionate yet rational decision I've ever made. Sure. Uh, How will will Vincent Kompany do as a manager, do you think?
3: I really don't know. It's kind of a lost era where you have a player manager and I'm not... It's interesting because I've seen loads of guys play football and think to myself, you're going to be a great manager just because you're so intelligent on the field or you seem to really understand the way that, you know, to how to read the game. And then they actually go into management and it's a disaster. Um, but with him, I think what the good thing about it all is that Andelect isn't a club that is huge. There's no like the you know, huge demands from European, you know stalwarts to be like you need to be challenging at the very highest level such as when seydorf went to milan or you know phil neville went to sorry phil neville uh, okay. <laughs> gary neville went to valencia um these are really hardcore clubs in which they have these you know fans that just demand absolute perfection at all corners and at all stages so i think for him that this is a good way to go and and he seems to really be interested in i i honestly don't know how this is going to go but it's a soft landing if it, if you have to go straight into managing a club um i don't know what the expectations are it seems to be something in a project that they have talked about for a really long time obviously you know is he going to manage city one day i I doubt it.
1: You doubt it. Mm. That to me just seems absolutely inevitable. I can't imagine anything more nailed on than him getting a chance to manage City. Is that uh, why am I wrong? You're being romantic. Mm. <laughs>
4: oh. <laughs> I think you're being um, romantic. You'd pick Aurelio Gomez in goal. <laughs> 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 I actually
3: thought
1: they should have had Elton John.
4: Don't
3: let them make you <laughs> feel that right. that's not gonna You know.
2: <laughs> I remember in the um, in the World Cup, I had to write about obviously Belgium because England were playing them, and I was talking to a lot of Belgian journalists, and they were telling me that in the Belgium camp that company for some time has been referred to as El Presidente among the other players because he was constantly uh, the go-to man between the players and the federation he was constantly almost sort of trying to manage them on the pitch Um, it wasn't necessarily an affectionate nickname for him I don't think, I think some of them said it as a little bit of a you know, how do I explain this, not like teacher's pet but almost put down in the fact that this guy is trying to like boss us around El Presidente Um, but he's clearly got that sort of authoritative power about him and has done for a while. And it's not what to makes a that. good coach. Yeah, maybe. No, not. Not, I'm not saying yeah. it is. I'm just saying that, that that's clearly where he's been heading for a while in the eyes of people who've been playing with him.
4: Is he more of a director of football?
2: I thought that. I thought he might be more suited to director of football or sporting director or something. Which terrifyingly brilliant
1: centre back are Man City going to sign to replace him, are
4: Uh I've actually got no idea about this. Um, there was talk of Harry Maguire, but that doesn't really make sense to me because Laporte is their main man now and Harry Maguire is very much a left-sided centre-back. But, uh, yeah, they will they will sign someone because isn't I think Otamendi's probably going to leave as well. So there's going to be someone, but no, I don't... I'd I don't, hope that Stones
2: just gets more of a go, to be honest with you. He's fallen off really weirdly, hasn't he? Just mm-hmm. lately, he seems. Second so I don't know season. whether that's slightly to do with them wanting... If they knew this company decision was coming, whether they've... made a conscious decision to let company play out the season one of the
1: things pep's done very cleverly i think is managing players and and almost teasing them with first team opportunities like jesus came straight in and he sort of said to aguero he basically hinted like oh i might sell aguero which looking back looks like a ruse to get aguero to play better and then jesus gets the nod on on saturday and it's sort of like walk here you go here's your chance you're our main guy now and you wonder if maybe that's the ploy with stones is tease possibly. him a little bit like take him out of the team make him hungry he's done it a few times with Stones and he
2: has come back better when he has come back um, I do think as well possibly it has to do with letting company play out the season and have his farewell which he totally deserved but I mean rather than they'll clearly sign a centre back but rather than signing someone just to jettison in and I think Stones is far better than Maguire anyway I'd I'd like to see Stones Maybe? get a better. Yeah, I love yeah, Stones. I stones' is quality. I know he makes mistakes and people debate about him, but I I think generally Stones is quality. You, no, look, you look like wrong. you're going to be. I'm not having. Ma- <laughs> and I'm not having Maguire. I think Maguire makes mistakes all over. He, the he place. does.
3: You're right about that as well. I mean, I'm I'm not. I was never a huge fan of Company as a defender either. But I have like very. Uh, I'm not into centre-backs who tackle all the time. Anyway. um, That's centre-back
2: Tyrone Mings by mile.
3: But, you know, you should just position yourself (laughs) well so you never actually need to tackle. But anyway, moving, I think that De Ligt is somebody that they would like to go into. Uh, They would like to bring in um, if he does indeed go to Barcelona, because that is the dream for most people in this world, um, then that would mean that Umtiti would probably put on, put on sale. And then I think that's where the domino effect would start taking place.
1: Lovely. Something to look forward to this summer. I love a transfer domino effect. Let's look <laughs> ahead to the big European finals featuring Chelsea, Arsenal, Tottenham and Liverpool respectively.
2: It's a long layoff before these games get started. How will these teams be spending it? We asked Pochettino after the last game how he's going to play this and he just said uh, basically they'll get two days off and then it'll be like a mini pre-season or can't work them as hard as you would in a pre-season but we'll do a lot of things that we do in pre-season just to tone down a little bit and try and treat it like that. He was certainly not going to... I don't think anyone is sort of going away for any sort of warm Are they not? weather training. They, I mean, Chelsea have obviously surely, been on that, that slightly mad uh, yeah. uh, post-season surely trip, but that talk, was nothing um, to do.
4: Surely Spurs and Liverpool have to do that. Madrid's, no. Madrid's going to be 30 degrees. It's,
2: uh, Pochettino doesn't want to take them away. He wants them around. He wants it to feel like work. I think I saw a story saying Liverpool were going away this Are week. Are they? Mm. Essentially, yeah. Okay.
1: Is it Virgil van I mean, some
2: of us have come prepared
1: for this podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> I thought
3: Virgil van Dyke was like in Dubai.
1: Well, that would be a holiday, I'd imagine, <laughs> wouldn't it? Do you think the big gap between the end of the season and the game will affect the game, uh, or well, both the games, in fact? Have been, it seems to me it could go one or two ways. It could, uh, you know, the, the sharpness is dulled, so it becomes sort of a scrappy affair and not that fun, and they're kind of playing within themselves to limit mistakes, or it turns into this sort of wild, open thing.
3: You know what? That's something that we thought about in Italy when we were like thinking about doing the season. And I think momentum is quite important in football, especially if you're the kind of side that do play rock and roll football. So I think this is actually something that would hurt Liverpool more than it hurts a pragmatic team in Spurs who are more about reading the game and just, you know, finding ways to neutralize the opponent um, and and impose their own uh, style of play. I think that when you have momentum and then you have that high and you have the emotions and you start to remember certain things, just click into place. It's sort of like you can have as many practice session practice sessions, but you can't recreate that emotional um, pressure or the situations that happen in match uh, in matches. So I'm not sure if this is for me. I find it a hindrance whenever we've rested players or didn't have a game because we teams have been given a few days off because it's you know Champions League or whatever it is. You'll see that it'll take them a moment and it'll take. Them more while to get back into it.
1: You're going, Ali, to Madrid oh, as a Spurs fan. Yeah, uh, I'm very jealous of you. I don't think I'll ever do this as a QPR fan. How are you feeling about it? Are you feeling confident or are you more just about this won't happen again probably and, and I'm going to enjoy it no matter what the result?
4: That's how I feel now and I really, really, really want to just maintain that feeling whatever happens because I'm not that confident. I do think it's Liverpool's to lose. I think, I think Spurs have got a chance but I think it's Liverpool's to lose. Um, but I would really, really hope that there's there's every chance that I might not see Tottenham in another major, major final like this ever again. Um, I'm getting to go there. We had moments like that City game and the Ajax last-minute uh, winner, which just are incomparable, and I'll have those forever, whatever happens. That said, I think if it comes to the game and we're kind of in it and end up losing, I'm going to be uh, really frustrated and upset about it. But yeah, I, I, I'm incredibly excited, but... Low on confidence, yeah.
1: I think the main thing I'm excited about is the fact that this match will end the tedious, well, he hasn't won a trophy chat about Klopp or Pochettino, (laughs) so we can just reduce that by 50% for next season. What about the Europa League final, Matt? Ruben Loftus-Cheek injured, possibly out for like a year with his Achilles. Yeah, a year is a long time. It's a horrible injury by all accounts. This took place in a charity game in America. Why (laughs) was this game happening?
2: Well, Roman Abramovich organised it I mean that that is literally it I mean Roman Abramovich and and Robert Kraft um, organised this charity match and both pledged a million dollars each and this was the time that they both felt was the best time to play it. So I mean if your owner who completely bankrolls a club decides you're playing a game then you're playing a game Um, I mean what I would say with the loftus Cheat thing it wasn't an impact injury and speaking to people I don't think there was any suggestion that it was because of the pitch even though the pitch wasn't great incredibly bad luck um, and, so
1: it's Hudson and right?
2: Yeah, and it's not a good look for it to happen in this kind of postseason game. But I don't—I actually don't think it's particularly the fault of the game. Albeit the game was very strangely scheduled match, which really annoyed Sari. I mean, they were away—they were away in America last week for I think three, three or four days. Um, they did loads of media days and stuff around schools and things. Sorry, didn't talk once the whole thing, didn't do a single press m- conference, pre-match, post-match, um, to do with the charity, anything which I think just tells you how he felt about it all. He moaned about it beforehand and whether he didn't trust himself or the club didn't trust him, uh, someone didn't trust themselves for him not to moan again while he was out there and ruin the positivity. Of it wasn't a stop-smoking charity, was it? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was uh, anti discrimination. Yeah, anti discrimination, mainly anti semitism. So, I mean, the the point of the tour of the the friendly was good. It was just the scheduling was odd. When I mean. <laughs> I've scheduled a holiday when it's the Europa League and Champions League final which I had scheduled for a year and I can't get out of and this match was probably scheduled for a year so I I can't really criticise it. I've done exactly the same.
1: What about the rest of Europe, Mina? Is there any concern on the continent about the fact that it is is four English teams in the two big finals?
3: Um, I think that the, one of the beauty, the, one of the things that everyone always talked about when it came to the Premier League, or at least one of the questions that I always said, why do you think English football is better than anything else? People would always say because the bottom half can always beat the top half, and it's with ease, you know. And then when you read, for example, what Ali was telling us about Watford's, you know, uh, history against the top six this season. It's no longer that case. And when it reaches the top four, it's a little bit of – when you have four English teams, you start thinking to yourself, I wonder if money is the issue. Because when you look at their wage bills, I was going through that to try to determine the difference between Watford and Man City and realize the bunch of clubs that come. Money at the end of the day, good management. um, And it's still a little bit foreign. It's still like in the sense that it is an English side but there are, you know like Pep is considered like a Spanish victory for everyone who's writing about it in sport or as or marca um it, it's a little bit if Sadi does well Italy is all behind him and it's still considered as is this really English football succeeding or is this the wonderful like interventions from the Germans and the Italians and the and the Spaniards and it's a case of you know well let's see what happens with their English team to see if English football really is on the rise.
1: A brief interruption from the Footballing Love Festival to let you know about another exciting audio development of The Telegraph this week. Ten years ago, a small group of journalists at the paper took delivery of a hard drive which had details of the expense claims of every MP in the country. As you might remember, it became a pretty big story. And to mark the anniversary, the audio team have made an absolutely fantastic podcast telling the inside story of the scandal. It is called Expenses. It's gripping, it's funny, and it's thought-provoking. It's basically like a cold case, but with panicking British politicians rather than a murdered teenager. If you want a brief respite from football this week, this is your chance. To find it, search for Expenses wherever you get your podcasts or follow the link in the show notes of this episode. Let's return to domestic matters now and look ahead to the playoff finals which take place over the bank holiday weekend. Villa through Mm. to Wembley for the second consecutive season. How do you like your chances, Matt, against Derby?
2: Oh, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Derby have got some momentum behind them. I'd have actually think I'd have preferred Leeds. Um, Really? Yeah, just because Leeds had this sort of dodgy end to the season which obviously then imploded in that second leg whereas Derby just to get into the playoffs had to win about three of the four last games and then to knock out Leeds they've got a hell of a win behind them um, and they've got that Lampard factor which I do think is worth something um, mm.
4: Villa have got a lot behind them as well though
2: we they? have we've got momentum um, and so I do think it's going to be incredibly tight uh, I think it's just you know on the day whereas last season I, I think everyone felt that Fulham were strong favourites they'd won sort of 21 out of 25 they were a much better side than Villa i think it's a much more sort of even looking contest but yeah if you're involved in it i mean i went to both the semi-finals uh the villa semi-finals home and away and they're hell to absolute hell to watch
1: it like you're in the home end as well for the away leg if your photo is anything to go by
2: i was well i'd shamelessly I, the only ticket i could get was actually in the press box oh, um some strings yeah there's, there's no <laughs> point me lying about it um But, yeah, they're just hell. I mean, they're so exciting to watch for for neutrals. I mean, I watched all the others, and they're brilliant. But if you're part of it, it's absolute hell. Um, So, yeah. While we're on the subject of Villa, we do have some correspondence we need to address, uh, which we we
1: haven't been able to do for a while because you haven't been on for a while, Matt, but it's uh, it's about you. It says, Hi, Tom. Love the podcast. Always a great listen. However, on a recent edition, I was publicly outed for historical child abuse by my son, Matt, for sending him on a coach all by himself (laughs) to watch a match between Aston Villa and Millwall at the age of seven. Matt has never been one to let the facts get in the way of a good story. Before the NSPCC come knocking at my door, I feel that I need to set the record straight. He was not put on some random coach all by himself. He travelled as part of an official club party of young lions organised by the Panini family enclosure, enclosure, which was escorted by club personnel known to us. Obviously, his memory has started to fail. I do have to admit, though, that in hindsight, I am a bit surprised I agreed his pleas to be allowed
2: to go from Matt's mum, Carol Law. This is like having your family play to you before some sort of Champions League. I break down in tears now. Oh, Sorry, mum. Sorry, mum. She still sent me to Millwall as a seven year old with no parental guidance. Oh, Team Carroll for me. <laughs> what about Derby, Ali, the
1: team that Villa will be facing? Um, have you been impressed with Frank Lampard's first foray into management this year?
4: Yeah, absolutely. It is um, always nice when you get a Player, everyone always says good players struggle but always struggle to make good managers and it's it's always quite nice when you see one company we were talking about earlier it would be really nice if he became a great manager but yeah I've been been impressed with Lampard Um, he seems to be uh, enjoying it he seems to be uh, sort of made a real um, impact a real impression on Derby he's using his contacts at Chelsea very well um, taking advantage of that so yeah why not It's it's a good final Derby Villa Everyone will, everyone will enjoy that. Yeah, great. Apart from Monday,
3: <laughs> I was particularly impressed by how, like, I feel like he's learned a lot from failure. So you know, like, let's watch Leeds let's notice all the ways in which you know they've they've hurt us, and figure out ways in which we can take advantage of any potential weakness or areas in their game that we can actually make the most out of. And it seems like he's got a really good eye for that. Uh, and I don't know whether it's because of like you know being at Chelsea, he's had a lot of like pragmatic coaches in charge, like the Mourinho's and Juranyaries and whoever it is, and these kind. Kind of guys will always look at where there's a potential flaw that you can all flood into the spaces and then make the most of it. And I thought that that's really interesting. That that's one thing that he's learned. It's not so much about. I mean, he is somebody who wants to play his own game, obviously, but he is also very good at reading the opponent or at least studying the opponent and trying to make the most of it to to help his own side.
1: We have Charlton playing Sunderland for promotion into the Championship on Sunday, a rematch of the incredible Sasa illich game, the 4 all from 1998, went to penalties. Who's your
2: money on there, Matt? Um, I'd like Charlton to do it. Um, for... No massive re. I, I know Johnny Jackson a little bit, who's assistant manager there, and I've always just liked Charlton. They're a nice sort of family club. I, I have nothing against Sunderland, but just working in the south, I haven't worked with Sunderland an awful lot. Um, I watched that that Charlton Doncaster Rovers. That was fantastic Astonishing Absolutely crazy what is, is
1: it, what is it about playoff semis? I mean I think the finals are often a little bit, a bit disappointing Absolutely But the playoff semis are just reliably Some of the best <laughs> football matches of, of the season
2: They're just I mean people lose their heads don't they Because I mean for Doncaster to score in extra time And go ahead and then concede 90 seconds later I mean that they've just lost their heads they've, they've scored and thought they're there And completely switched off um, brilliant brilliant drama but I mean Charlton as well have had this Sunderland have had bad time with their owners to be fair but Charlton have had an oh, absolutely appalling time with their ownership so th- th- there's a nice storyline there if they can get a little bit of joy but that I mean again for a league one final Sunderland versus Charlton you know that is a massive
4: massive game you're looking at big clubs in these playoffs now I think the semi-finals there's also something about the kind of desperation of it all. Everyone's put so much into that season and it comes down to these two games and then it all just falls apart. Um, And I love, like you say, everyone loses their heads. There was four red cards in four games in the championship uh, semi-finals. The League One had the Portsmouth fan kicking uh, the Sunderland player, which was just so funny. You just don't don't see that. I mean, it's absolutely abominable behaviour. But... um, yeah, really, really, really entertaining. Um, My favourite thing about that player getting kicked was he said afterwards, well, that's football. I don't think that is football.
1: It's <laughs> not the appropriate thing to say in that situation.
4: I've got one one more question about the uh, for, well, possibly for Matt, about the uh, playoffs. So basically, of the f- six ties, five were won by the team that finished lower in the table and the only one that wasn't was Charlton Doncaster, which was very nearly won by Doncaster who finished... 15 points behind them. Um, I was wondering what you thought about the idea that a team that kind of gets uh, finishes higher and gets so close to that automatic promotion spot puts everything into their sort, the sort of main season, plays the main season too well, if you like, um, and then the other teams who, who time their for, maybe time their form better, there might be something more uh, better in that, kind of like, kind of um, like Villa and Derby, I there's guess. There's
2: definitely a JJ Ball study to be done in this. I think I read somewhere something recently, though, that in recent years, in actual fact, uh, it's averaged out that the higher teams have, have pretty much gone up. But you're right, this year that seems to have, uh, to have gone out the window. I mean, Fulham felt were the team with all the momentum last season, but it had taken them so far they actually did finish third. Um, before, If you'd have asked me a month ago, I'd have said that whoever finished third in the Championship would have won the playoffs, because I felt that Sheffield United and Leeds for a long time were a lot, lot better than anyone else. But then Leeds' form just fell off a cliff at the end of the season.
1: First game up is Tranmere versus Newport on Saturday. Uh, what were your thoughts on Mike Dean in the semi-final? At, Amazing. Uh,
4: getting behind <laughs>
1: Tranmere. So
4: much fun. I don't know why anyone could be angry about that. It's just someone, anyone standing on the on the top of the barrier Great celebrating balance. like that. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. Mike Dean best thing ever <laughs>
3: there were, I saw so much criticism against that I didn't understand it. they were like they're trying he's trying to make it all about himself he's trying to be the star of the show he doesn't like being behind the you know behind the shadows he wants to be front line and centre and I was like doesn't anyone just want a bit of you time? imagine I'm from Kalina, though, did you? No, no.
2: <laughs> if you turn it around though if everyone had been celebrating he'd have just been stood there with a coffee looking fairly solemn everyone would have battered him for
1: that
3: yeah, as well
2: yeah. <sighs> can't win if you might be.
1: no Let's talk about England and their Nations League squad, which was announced last week. For me, the biggest surprise was Kieran Trippier holding his spot. Are there any others in this team who are still trading off their World Jesse Cup? Lingard. And is Southgate right to be uh,
2: to be picking his squad in this way? Jesse Lingard, for sure. He has
1: said, doesn't he, that it should be very, very hard to get into the squad, but then even harder to get out of the squad if you sort of do well. Yeah, he's also
2: placed a a very large uh, commodity on if you have done well for him, he will give you a break and be loyal to you, and you can almost afford your club form to go a little bit awry. Um, And Lingard and Trippier last summer were, were excellent. So he's obviously felt... I'd imagine that this Nations League would mark an end point of that, possibly. And after that, you, you kind of go back to zero, as it were, and start again. Um, it's a little bit weird, though. I, I mean, Lingard and Trippier, on form, for me, wouldn't deserve to be near it, whereas someone like Madison probably would deserve to be in it, Wan-Bissaka. But Southgate had a very good argument for that, in that he wants them in the under-21s, he wants them to play in in that tournament where they'll actually play. Had they have come into the Nations League, they'd they'd be involved in a tournament, but they wouldn't play. Um, So I can totally understand why he's done it. It's It's a bit of a boring squad in a way, wasn't it? There were no surprises or nothing to get overly excited about, but maybe that's a good thing.
3: I think sometimes that what we don't see so much is when we say something like this is not meritocracy, they haven't had great seasons or whatever it is, but someone wants to cling on to a certain player. Um, It's a lot of the time things that we don't see, such as perhaps what he does in the dressing room, perhaps the kind of relationships he has. Perhaps he's a guy who breaks up fights or brings everyone together or um, I mean, I I know
4: are we still talking like about
1: <laughs> <laughs> And Jesse Lingard. I think Delph, Delph is the one doing that in yeah, the US, yeah, yeah, yeah. accounts? So.
3: Oh, he's somebody who's... Yeah. I mean, I remember there was one guy once in a European football club and he was kept because his wife was the leader of the WAGs and it just brought everyone together so they were going to keep him there because he's really good for morale. Um, and he was a terrible player. So you never know what the reasons are for these.
2: Delph things. I get more, which is weird because he's played less than the other two, but... He fulfills a few positions, he's a good squad player to have in and he is generally a very sort of
4: good lad. I'd say the worry for Trippier is with this change of formation for England he played last summer in, on the right side of a back five and he had Kyle Walker behind him so he basically had a backup right mm. back behind him. Yeah. He's not as so suited to playing in a back four up against a good winger. Uh, he he does, won't start uh,
2: though, Kyle Walker will start. Yeah, tr- well Trent's the future. Yeah, well Trent, yeah. I'd imagine he's he's certainly third choice in that squad at the moment, Kieran yeah. Trippier. Yeah.
1: What chance do you give England against Holland Ali in the opening game
4: of the Nations? It's quite League? an exciting one, isn't it? It's uh Holland have a lot of uh a lot of exciting players. They've they've had a, a few good results recently. Um it, it should be a good game. Um I think England probably just about favourites. Weird to say that kind of with a bit of pedigree, uh, tournament pedigree after last year. Um, Maybe just about uh, favourites. Holland have got a few defensive frailties that were shown up when they threw away the game against Germany. Um, It it could fall horribly
2: flat. I mean, the build-up to the Holland game will be fun, and the Holland game itself will be fun. And then if we lose it, we're looking at a third-place playoff against Switzerland. Which this is quite an easy one to, to dismiss, everyone. isn't it? If it, doesn't,
1: if it doesn't go well, it's like, oh, well, we didn't care in the first place. Whereas no, I know. It, like,
2: oh, it, it feels like this big <laughs> big tournament coming up. In actual fact, it could basically just be one game.
4: It's also three, four days caring. after the Champions League final, so there's a chance that there won't be, there'll be nine England players unavailable. Which suddenly, suddenly we're playing Well he said he's uh,
2: playing Kane whatever, hasn't he? As long as Kane's fit, he said he's playing him whatever, so
3: four days after oh Champions League final. Yeah. Really, plays really
4: not sure about or not, <laughs> not, not not gonna be happy about that if that happens, but let us begin a
1: bumper edition of a song for Europe Mina, Gareth Bale. Mugged off by Zinedine Zidane (laughs) at the weekend. Uh, There was that quote during the rounds that he wouldn't have been used even if he'd had four substitutes to use, which was later proved to have been (laughs) not something that Zinedine Zidane actually said. But he he did basically say to Zidane he's not sure if Bale is going to be in his future plans and it doesn't look good for him. Where could he go given his wages?
3: I don't know, but definitely not a European club and I have no sympathy for the player. I'm sorry, but I feel like his behaviour, especially this season, is... It's, uh, it's honestly quite abysmal. Like, what about his behaviour? So you've come into a club where, you know, you are sort of the foreigner. And you've been there for a really long time. And everything you've said, I mean, you know when we were talking about the fact that, you know, Pep shouldn't be really asked questions um, or should, is it the right time to question Manchester City and their financial processes when you've just won in trouble? They just won the Champions League. And Ronaldo's sitting there complaining about he's not loved and wants to leave now. And Bale was like, well, I need to be sent to stage. You know, they won three Champions League in a row. He always moaned about not being the star. Ronaldo goes, everyone puts the money on him. He's going to be the guy. He does nothing with that honour, does nothing to fulfil it. Every time the players come around and be like, hey, listen, Bale, do you want to go for dinner? No, I have to sleep by 11. Um, um, Mar- Marcelo said that, like, you know, he was so devastated when Kiko Casilla left because that was the guy that, that stood next to him in the locker room. And then he only had Gareth Bale and that the- he doesn't speak a word of Spanish. So every day he just goes to him in the morning, good wine, because that's the only thing he knows how to say in English. Um, they had Sergio Ramos had a huge barbecue when Zinedine Zidane came back at a way of like trying to unite the squad, get them all back on board so they can plan for the future. Bale, the only one, doesn't show up. You have to show up to these things. You know, if Cruz doesn't show up to one or or if someone else, Modric doesn't show up to one, they'll show up to the rest. It looks like there's unity there. It looks like this is your chance to talk to Zidane, to say, like, listen, I can be your guy. But he seems to have this air of arrogance about him. Even like yesterday, everyone went around to the lap of honour at the end of the season. I know you're upset that you didn't get your few minutes, you know, because it was like, you know, come on, it's Levante, you know. And he just decided to run off down the tunnel and all his teammates are going around the pitch. Try to learn Spanish, try to mesh with them, try to go to the barbecues and the and the parties, you know, like something.
4: I agree with ev- everything you're saying. But do you think he not... Do you not think he deserves slightly more respect for what he's done for the club? Um, I read something what, on Twitter. the
3: Twi- 900 injuries that he's gone and be like, I can't believe you're not going to play I, me.
4: He scored, well, I, he he scored, scored some, big goals, yeah, though. I've been I, a little bit
2: harsh. He, I read something okay, on he Twitter. Scored,
3: like, he, you're right. He scored goals when he's played. But uh, your behaviour. Big is- goals
2: as well. Some big goals. Champions League, the Champions
3: League finals. It's not like he's been well, there, front line, centre. Copa
2: del goals, Rey final. They?
3: Yeah, but Alvaro Morata scored huge goals for them too. That he was sold straight away. Not not Al- Al-
2: Alvaro Morata got um, a lovely little send off video and all sorts. He got a fair. He well. went to
3: all the barbecues. He <laughs>
2: <missed> the barbecues. <laughs> 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 I, I get what you're saying as well. I think it's weird. Look, he clearly hasn't integrated himself as well as he could have done. I totally agree on barbecue gate <laughs>
1: <laughs> I do
2: think it's weird to criticise a guy for not staying up past 11pm who's, who's a sportsman if he wants to go to bed at 11pm and doesn't want to stay up to 2am whatever culture he's in
3: don't show up to that one say you know why I really need to sleep and because the German you know Cruz always never shows up to very I still late, think he
2: deserves a respectful farewell. He's done enough to deserve a respectful farewell. And I can also understand that he might not want to go around clapping a load of fans who have been whistling in him and treating Those him like rubbish for whistled, a while. Those
3: whistled at De Stefano. Well, these, these same fans whistled at Ronaldo. No. These fans
2: need to learn some manners <laughs> and respect.
3: <laughs> Come on, this is Real Madrid. They're not Watford guys that but are just happy should, they reached the final. He deserves,
2: he deserves some sort of send-off. He deserves an applause. He deserves a thank you. And then all go. Not Learning Spanish is strange, though. That seems the, the one to me that's... I mean, Sergio there, Aguero to, doesn't speak any English. None. Watch Sergio Aguero in an interview. Speak zero English. It's okay. Nothing.
3: He plays every game and tries. Yeah, but he's
2: still... If we're taking it down to that level, loads of foreign players come over to England don't ever learn any proper I think, English. I think it's strange. I think that's equally strange.
3: I think that's equally what strange. What about
1: in Germany? Mina. Bayern yeah. Munich win the league, uh, oh. despite I think at one point this season you saying Borussia Dortmund was 70% likely to win the league. I know. Uh, but, <laughs> <mind me>. uh, <laughs> but it's all changed for them this summer. Robin and Ribéry off Pavard and Hernandez arriving, two new fullbacks from the French team. Is next season going to be a bit of a rebuilding job for them or are they now sort of making the steps to get back to their previous heights?
3: You know, actually, them retaining the league means the first time, I think, since 2009 that every single top five league has managed to have a winner who's retained the league. Um, Wow. So they are obviously a little bit upset about the fact that they've fallen by the wayside and they know that it's the end of an era. Um, but they have a lot of money to spend this summer. I mean, I don't know if it's city money, but it's a lot of money. And they do want to make a splash. I don't necessarily think that they're making perhaps the right choices in the way they're going about this, but uh, they will want to be a force and they don't want to wait. So it, it, next year, they're going to go all out. They're going to try to be you know, a big player in the Champions League again. They're going to go for all the players that they think will make a difference. So for them, they're not reading this as a transitional year, but a time for them to go back to their roots and become the fearful opponent that they have been.
1: In Italy, it's Arrivederci Allegri. He has decided he's going to leave Juventus. You, you're very cut up about this, Mina. Who do Juve want to replace him and, and where might Allegri go now?
3: Put it simply, if it's Simone Inzaghi, the guy who is Filippo Inzaghi's brother, the guy that's permanently offside, um, and obviously he's one with the Coppa Italia, but if it is him, which is what it is according to Italian journalists, then I will stop supporting this team. Um, Full-time Huddersfield. Full-time, honestly. Full-time Huddersfield. I'm going to put everything into Huddersfield. I think that for me that if you are going to get rid of a man like Allegri because you're a little bit disappointed in the Champions League accomplishments that he's managed, this is a guy who took a club that couldn't win against teams from Copenhagen in the Champions League, that had Antonio Conte leave to say... Let's be honest, this is a 10-pound squad trying to dine in a 100-pound table. And then he took that team to the Champions League final, Allegri, established them as a force in Europe. If you're going to get rid of him because they weren't impressive enough against Ajax, then you better be replacing him with somebody who's done something special in Europe. Like who? <clears throat> Podge. <laughs> um, What's he won? Obviously, we're like, you know, Podge or I'd like Klopp, but he's not going to happen. Um Somebody who's done something or, like, you know... What's
2: Pochettino... I love Pochettino. But on, on everything you've said, what's Pochettino done to get the Juventus job?
3: What's You know what it is? It's more about the fact that he can help develop the players that we're going to try to bring in, the youth that we have. It's not just a simple... It's it's starting a new era. Now, Allegri has... Uh, sorry, Agnelli has come out and said that it, it's not like that they don't think that Allegri wasn't great or that they're counting this about the Ajax. It was just that it's a little bit of a, from what I've heard in reports and what, you know, anyway, the grapevine is that they needed a shock to the system, that perhaps some players were no longer responding to Allegri, that perhaps that it all just got a bit stale because it's been there for five years. They always win the same things. And when you have Ronaldo and you need something new, you need a guy who's a little bit more courageous, Poch, I agree with you, is not the courageous option. So I, I that is the one thing that I, I have a fear for. But he is, to me, uh, from what is attainable, obviously Zidane is the dream, but he's staying with was, Real Madrid. Do you think Pochettino is
2: attainable? Is
3: that, I, think so, yeah. so I
2: think so, For Juventus. So do you think Juventus would pay 20, 30 million for a oh, manager? this was the
3: debate we had. But well, do you? Because that's the only way... What if we offer them Allegri? Like, I mean, not, not that we can. <laughs> He's not yours to offer. <laughs> He's not ours to offer. But imagine they do want Allegri. I don't think that will matter.
2: I don't think they, that They don't want Allegri more than they want Pochettino. Pochettino's God at Tottenham, quite rightly. He's got them to the Champions League final. Okay, so they win God. the
3: Champions League final. He turns around to Daniel Levy and be like, I really want to leave.
2: Daniel Levy will be like, okay, find someone who's going to pay the money. He's the most emo- unemotional man ever. He's got four years left on his contract. Daniel Levy's so not going to so do Pochettino any favours whatsoever, yeah. which is why Pochettino started to hint out that he might take this sabbatical because I think he's realised himself if he actually does want a way out and want to do something different, his way out is to do a Guardiola and take some time off.
3: Then that is Unless an option. Unless
2: someone comes along and just puts the money on the table.
3: Firstly, it's something that they would probably have to do. Um, I do also think that it's, if it is a sabbatical, then that probably explains why they might have somebody like Inzaghi just doing it for a season Yeah. Um, to wait for Podge. Is
4: Zidane I- completely off the table? I'd, I'd, so Dan is
3: a little bit upset in the dressing room about the questions that he was asked of bail and things, and he's been saying a long time that these are my decisions. If I don't make decisions over who comes and who goes, he doesn't like. You know, he, he wanted Keylor Navas, he never wanted to change, didn't want Thibaut Courtois, he doesn't want all of these. And the, one of his one of his uh, demands when coming back was, I want full full decision making rights. So you think there's
4: a, there is a possibility that he might not stay at Real Madrid just because him to Juve makes. In my mind, sense. perfect sense. What about yeah. Deschamps? Deschamps to
3: Juve? No, 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 no. I mean Deschamps was one of the guys that uh you know we love and we feel like we didn't really have his chance, but he's not the courageous guy that's going to do something in Europe. Deschamps is is that, you know, he's a Juve blood, but Zidane has always been the dream. Um Pep is another dream because of the style of play because of, although his European record in my opinion is in the last 6 years is not worth it, but um at least they do want something to be more courageous. They want more of an identity club, I think, is another dream. But from what is attainable, Poch, even if it's in a year, Sedan, that is the guy. Like, they'll wait however long they have to wait, but they want that man to come back.
2: We'll Go for Jose. Sh- Jose for Juve. I-
3: I'd <laughs> love Diego Simeone.
1: Well, plenty of managers there for you. Uh, <laughs> events <you're laughs> <at your laughs> <laughs> that would please me in a <laughs> That's your lot for this week. You can contact me on Twitter before next week's episode. We'll be back with you on Wednesday next week to look ahead to the Champions League final. If you want me, Twitter, at Tom with an H, Gibbs. Aspire to the greatness of Matt Law's mum by contacting the podcast via email. It's at afcpodcast.telegraph.co.uk. We will read out the best of what you send us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and why not leave us a five-star review? Go on, we've deserved it. Look for Telegraph Audio Football Club wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks to Theodora Leludis on the buttons, and thanks to you for your company. I'll talk to you again soon.
0: Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.